Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You worked all week. Work, 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 work. You didn't have time to look at your fantasy lineups. Son of a But don't be afraid. That's why we give you weekend fantasy update. All right, welcome to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network Weekend Fantasy Update. Joe Galita, along with my buddy George Kurtz. George, how's it going today? It's going well. It's going right early today. Uh, I'm in air conditioning, so I guess that's a, a damn. Uh, it's supposed to be a brutal, brutal day. Pretty much up and down the East yeah. Coast. Right, temperatures mid 90s. Hot, hot, hot. Yeah, supposedly uh, here in the Northeast in the New York area, it's going to feel like uh, 110 or so. So, and uh, yeah, since you brought up uh, the you know the heat wave, uh, have to say uh, R.I.P. to former Giants offensive lineman Mitch Petrus, who died of a heat stroke. Yeah, like the the old timers, they would say, you know, you better be careful, you're going to get a heat stroke. Yeah, it, it actually exists, and this poor guy, 32 years old, former, like I said, offensive lineman. Uh, I think he was on the uh, won a Super Bowl with the Giants. He had been working outside in his family business in Little Rock, Arkansas. So you know when they say these uh, these heat warnings and stuff, you got to take them, you know, to te- you got to believe them because this poor guy uh, unfortunately passed away. Yeah, 32 years old. Read about that this morning as well. Uh, sad. Yeah, I wonder if there's a little bit more to it than uh, that, unless he was just really being careless, being out in the heat, not drinking anything. Uh, I was mm-hmm, surprised mm-hmm. to hear that this morning. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so uh, start out with that. Uh, um, lots of stuff going on this weekend, George. Uh, we'll be talking uh, lots of football. Uh, most of the Scott Fishbowl uh, drafts are done. I, I think there's still a few going on. Uh, oh, mine actually finished technically yesterday. My the last pick oh I made was God. Thursday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we had uh, at least one guy from the West Coast, so uh, he took so? a long time to make his picks. Pre-draft, I, I'm telling folks, you, just... pre-draft your picks. I mean, it's not that difficult, especially in the later rounds of a draft. Right. I mean, you can mm-hmm. pre-draft. I don't know why people. Oh no, I got to be on the clock and look at my players. No, no, you really don't. All right, just make mm-hmm. you know, you know, three, four selections there. And if, if they all happen to go before you go and you you know you got screwed, fine, I get it. But uh, people who right, refuse right. to pre-draft is just weird. I think I pre-drafted probably <laughs> of the twenty-two Scott Fishbowl picks, I probably pre-drafted two-thirds of them because I knew it wasn't going to mm-hmm. be around or I didn't want to have to go through it. I knew who I wanted. Right. I mean, it's not that difficult here, so uh, I don't get that. I can't believe there are still Scott Fishbowls that are still going on. I think mine ended about a week ago. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Like I said, mine technically ended Friday. My last pick uh, was uh, Thursday night. I want to go over both our drafts, and that, that'll give us a, a good basis as to to talk about uh, several different players and positions and whatnot. So we'll talk a lot of fantasy football there, and uh, also uh, going to talk some baseball as well. It's uh, George. It's Hall of Fame weekend, and I know you're a big Hall of Fame fan. <laughs> so Mariana Rivera getting inducted uh, on Sunday, Roy Halladay, Edgar Martinez, Mike Mussina, and uh, also uh, Harold Baines and Lee Smith uh, going to be inducted as well. Uh, so uh, so y- y- your thoughts on, uh, I mean, Mariano Rivera, obviously uh, you're a lifelong Yankee fan, uh, unanimously uh, voted in on all ballots by the Baseball Writers Association. You know, what really can you say about Mariano Rivera? You know, the probably the best reliever uh, of all time and uh, the, got that cutter that basically was uh, – Given to him uh, by God, <laughs> right? He just—I was reading—he was—he was having a catch one day with uh, Ramiro Mendoza, and all of a sudden, you know, he starts uh, throwing this ball, and it just starts moving on its own. Uh, but obviously, he controlled it, and 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 look, the batters, 
knew that it was coming, but they still couldn't hit it. The, the, that that cutter, man. Yeah, the cutter made him a dynamite. People forget that he's a failed starter with the Yankees. Started a couple of games yes. there in 94-95. Uh, didn't matter. I shouldn't say failed starter. I wasn't given much of a chance there, but until they found that he was much better as a uh, a one-plus inning reliever there. Uh, as for the Hall of Fame, I mean, you know my thoughts. I really don't care. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. I would take players out before I put players in. Not that Mariano certainly deserves mm-hmm. to be there. Uh, Harold Baines right. does not. Uh, just in my mind, I'm a, I'm a tough grader on these things. Uh, in my mind, it's not the whole. I thing. agree with you on the base. It's the whole yeah. of very good. That's what it's become. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And uh, so next year for uh, 2020, let's just let me throw some some names at you. See, you know what sticks out at you. And, and one uh, we'll we'll talk about just for a few minutes. But uh, you know, Bobby Abreu, Josh Beckett, Eric Chavez, Adam Dunn, Rafael Farquell. Jason Giambi, Derek Jeter, <laughs> Paul Canerco, Cliff Lee, and Alfonso Soriano. Uh, Jeter, uh, first ballot Hall of Famer? Well, yeah, the first ballot Hall of Famer. I mean, he, isn't it either you are a Hall of Famer or you are not a Hall of Famer? Why we get caught up in this first ballot thing is beyond me. It's either you are or you aren't. But I guess if you're somebody who considers first ballot to be, you know, oh, only the best of the best of the best – well, Jeter is that, right? I mean, no. What do you want the guy to do? You know, well over three thousand hits, won a million uh, World Series, uh, solid defensively, maybe above solid in his prime. Certainly not uh, certain below solid after his prime. But yeah, I guess if you, like I said, if you're someone who holds up a reverence, yes, he's still a first ballot Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean. I don't know if I call it a reverence, but uh, a reverence for it. But uh, you know, I mean, like. A, a guy like Jeter, <laughs> to me, there's just no question about it. You know, Hall of Famer, uh, the 3,400 plus hits, uh, and and I think that you know he came up at a time. You know, uh, there was the, with uh, uh, a Alex Rodriguez and uh, No More Garcia Parra. There were several uh, you know, top flight uh, shortstops at the time, but it wasn't only what he did. You know, at the plate. Or uh, it was just the way he carried himself as well, just uh, in my opinion. Yeah, he was a leader. Um, certainly not maybe a leader with the media. He just didn't really, never really said all that much to the media. Very uh, soft. I mean, he spoke, but very soft spoken. As uh, he wasn't going to let much out there. Uh, it's amazing mm-hmm. to me when you think of Derek Jeter that nothing really came of his private life. You know, playing in New York, <laughs> you know they were trying to dig into it, yet they could. They you never really heard much. Yeah, you know, there are some stories right now who he was dating, who he wasn't dating, and stuff like that. But uh, for a player of his stature in New York, winning all those championships, I was always surprised we didn't hear, you know, so much more about his personal life. Right. I kind of, yeah, I agree with you. But there was a there was a little stuff that came out, like that, you know, he'd uh, give his uh, uh, lady friends on their way out a little goodie bag on the way out. I think uh, autographed balls and, and stuff. It was kind of. Kind of, kind of a strange thing, but uh, you're right. I mean, you know, to his credit, for all his years uh, at the big leagues from '95 to 2014, he kind of kept his nose clean in terms of. Uh, and the New York media is tough, you know, uh, you know. And and when you look at when he came into the league in '95, by the time he came out, that the media. Was even tougher because there were so many different ways that they could, uh, you know, TMZ was, you know, was around by the end of his career, and uh, you really couldn't uh, avoid any media scrutiny by the time he left. I'm just surprised uh, that nothing more came out. The goodie bag thing—I wonder how true that is. That seems to be really <laughs> stupid. I mean, why would you do that? You know, thanks for the good time. Here's a. Uh, yeah, yeah. Balls, a Here's an autograph ball. Yeah. I mean, uh, just <laughs> strange. I wonder how true that is. That that seems pretty classless. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't think that, I, I'm, I don't know if I'm buying that at all. Right. Well, we'll see. I mean, it, it is what it is. You can believe it. You could choose not to believe it. But, uh, you know, so maybe uh, any interest in ever uh, going to one of these uh, events, uh, George, or, you know, to watch the uh, induction ceremony? Well, I've been to the Hall of Fame. I have been there. Uh, right. Not on Hall of Fame weekend. I mean, I, I imagine right. it's a small little quaint little town if you've never been to Cooperstown. You know, this is not uh, mm-hmm. anywhere near. Uh, it's not even near, you know, I live in the suburbs. It's not even near one of these little towns. This is a, you know, think back 100 years ago. It's really what it looks like. You know, mm-hmm. small streets. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's actually kind of nice. I kind of like it there. Uh, a place you probably wouldn't mind living in on the outskirts there. But uh, 
to go on Hall of Fame weekend, the place has to be a zoo. It just has to be a zoo. You know, so uh, uh, probably not. Maybe when I was younger, and you've seen players, though, mm-hmm. when you feel differently about players, you know, they're your idols and stuff like that. You know, I could see that happening. You know, but as I get older, probably not on Hall of Fame weekend. Not unless I had to do something for mm-hmm. work or something like that. Uh, no, I think, I think I'll pass. Mm, all right. Well, uh, we'll talk uh, more baseball later in the show. But, uh, hey, uh, this week uh, the Broncos uh, opened up. They were the first team to open up their training camp. I think the Ravens opened up their camp for rookies. But, uh, you know, the, the, uh, next week uh, basically almost all uh, camps will be open. Uh, so, uh, you know, we had gone over the, the, the Broncos uh They've got a very, very tough road ahead of them in terms of uh, schedule. And uh, the over-under for them is a seven. And we went through their the schedule one by one. You and I are on air. And, uh, you know, we said that the under, if you could get that uh, over-under at seven, you could take the under. That's a, a pretty safe bet, it seems. But uh, Vic Fangio, uh, former defensive coordinator for the Bears, first year as the uh, head coach for the Broncos, a uh, silly kind of thing, but, uh, you know, this guy, now he's saying, he, he doesn't want any music uh, to be played while the uh, the team is practicing. He was saying that, hey, you know, uh, it, you know it's going to come to the point in their practices where they're going to simulate crowd noise, uh, but uh, when they do, it's not going to be music. It's not going to be something pleasant. So uh, it's kind of a silly thing in a way, but I guess, you know, trying to just put his uh, footprint on the team starting early but you just wonder with today's player if that's the right thing to do right off the bat i i mean i agree with you it does seem kind of silly uh but i, I get where he's coming from to do it's like the crowd noise thing they mm-hmm. don't play crowd you know music is crowd noise it's crowds yelling right, and screaming right. so i guess if you want to simulate a real game i kind of understand that and you want you do want them to take practice seriously i kind of understand that mm-hmm. too yeah, mm-hmm. so uh, mm-hmm. I'm not going to knock him for it. He's a very successful defensive coordinator. So uh, oh, absolutely. it works, yes. it works. Yeah, you know, so sometimes I do think they go a little overboard here. But then again, you know, you don't have as much practice time as you used to have. So you want them to be, mm-hmm. you know, in on it, taking it seriously. That's very so, true. So uh, I guess, you know, I choose the, uh, what works and what doesn't. So uh, I'm certainly not going to get hung up on it, but I saw that too. I'm like, okay. Right, right. Okay, whatever works yeah. for anybody. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, he also came out and said uh, that Drew Locke is not a quarterback yet. He's not sugarcoating it. Uh, Drew Locke, uh, obviously, uh, a, uh, they picked him up uh, in the NFL draft this season. Joe Flacco, obviously, going to start the season as the uh, starting quarterback for the Broncos, making uh, $18,500,000 salary this year. And if uh, the, uh, if he, the uh, Broncos keep him he's set to earn a 20 million 250,000 next season drew lock was a guy in in uh the scott fishbowl where it's a super flex league so we want to try to you know get at least you know three quarterbacks i was going to take him as my fourth and somebody beat me to him because i think uh probably by by the end of the season i think we're going to see drew lock in as a a starting quarterback i guess it depends on how much he develops but uh, any thoughts on, on drew lock and and in a way, in a way, you know, we, we just gave uh, Fangio a little grief, but, you know, he's basically telling it like it is when it comes to Drew Locke right now. Right As of right now, he's not an NFL quarterback. Yeah, I think that's uh, also to give uh, Flacco some, well, you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to worry about this guy challenging for you. I think it's also uh, coach speak there to mm-hmm. you know, let his starting quarterback know he's uh, not under any pressure. Right. So uh, that, that sort of thing there. Uh, so I wouldn't worry about that all that much. Uh, Flacco, I mean, he is what he is. You know, he's right. not more of a caretaker than anything else. But then again, the Broncos have really whiffed quite a bit on trying to find yeah. their franchise quarterback, right? That hasn't worked out too well. And right. you, know, you said it earlier, you, know, you go over this Denver Broncos schedule. I mean, uh, yeah, you get a couple <laughs> of games versus Oakland, but they're improved. But uh, they had Oakland open up Chicago, Green Bay, Jacksonville. Chargers, Tennessee, KC, Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Their season's over well before uh, Halloween. That's a seven-game yeah. stretch where it's just good luck to you. You know, you, you can, yeah, I can easily see them being two and six. You know, and then they did the last eight games, Cleveland, Minnesota, at Buffalo, Chargers, Texans, Chiefs. Uh, they got Detroit second to last week of the season. So they're, I don't know if they have any gimme games, but they have three easiest games by far. 
are against Oakland, division rival. You know, mm-hmm. good luck. Uh, Detroit, right. okay, at home, I'd certainly give you that win. At Buffalo, uh, that's not going to be any fun. You know, Buffalo's going to have a very good defense. Yes, a terrible offense, but mm-hmm. a very good defense. They're over under seven. I, I bet this heavy, hard. Mm-hmm. I can't yeah, see I'm how they pr- come anywhere near seven wins. Right. Yeah, I, I'm with you. And, and uh, previous shows, like like I said, we went through uh, game by game, and uh, it doesn't look pretty for them. Any uh, silver linings on this team? Uh, I know some people talking up uh, Deshaun Hamilton, a uh, wide receiver. Uh, anything that, that sticks out to you at, at, at this team? Maybe a, a, a late-round flyer that you like, fantasy-wise? I mean, fantasy-wise, late-round flyer? No, I'm not a big Joe Flacco. I think he's going to throw the ball all over the place. Right. I mean, I just don't see that. I guess uh, you don't know a fan tight end. I could see that. If you want to take a shot, take a second tight end if you're a believer in that. But other than that, uh, no late round, guys, no. Gotcha. All right, we'll be back. We'll be talking more fantasy football. Weekend fantasy update on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your Daily Roto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. All right, welcome back to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Weekend Fantasy Update. Joe Galena, George Kurtz, Sean Angle, the Fantasy Prince, producing our show. Doing a great job, as always. And a big weekend from a lot of different perspectives, George Kurtz. Uh, It's the 50th anniversary of the San Diego Comic-Con, and San Diego Comic-Con going on right now. I was lucky enough to be able to go a few years back. Really an experience. Uh, had my tickets for the New York Comic Con. You know, I'm into that little pop culture kind of stuff. So uh, I don't know if you've uh, you know, been keeping up on uh, what's been going on there. But uh, the uh, next Terminator movie, Terminator Dark Fate, which is going to be coming out November 1st, they uh, came out with a trailer. And uh, I didn't know this actor's name, but Edward Furlong. Uh, he was the kid he, at, at the time. He was a, a kid in Terminator Two. He played John Connor. He's back in this movie, which is pretty interesting. I, I haven't seen what he looks like now as an adult. But uh, so this Terminator Dark Fate, the 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 trail looked pretty good. I mean, Linda Hamilton's back, John, uh, there as Sarah Connor. Yeah, and then saw a little interview with her. She sounds like she's basically smokes a, a, a carton of cigarettes a day. And Arnold plays an agent Terminator. I know you're a Terminator fan, aren't you? Yeah, I'm a Terminator guy. The original is probably mm-hmm. one of my top uh, five out of ten movies ever. Uh, mm-hmm. The wow. second one was solid, too. Uh, yeah. That, actually, the second one was actually very good. I just thought the original was such a great idea, and mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed it. Now, I was also a big Michael Bean fan uh, who plays Kyle Reese. So, uh, yeah, uh, Linda Hamilton, by the way, does sound like she smokes about a uh, carton <laughs> a day. Yeah, terrible. Mm-hmm. I imagine I she probably does, generally how you get that gravelly <laughs> voice. So, right, uh right. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'll go see it. Uh, I kind of think these things usually suck when you know when they mm-hmm. do this kind of thing, and you know, they make another remake twenty years, thirty years later. So uh, we'll see. I don't know if I want to spend my twenty uh, bucks for a ticket. Uh, right. So I'm, I'll I'll debate about it, but uh, I'll watch it eventually. I'll certainly watch it when it comes online. Uh, if I don't watch it in the theaters, uh, I am curious about it. You know, when you, you mentioned they're bringing back Furlong, they're bringing back Linda Hamilton, their characters. Mm-hmm. We'll see how that works out. But uh, I said, loved one, two, I thought was very, very good. Three, mm-hmm. that's the one I think where the Terminator is uh, female wearing the red suit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, right. I thought that was okay. I thought it was okay. Yeah. And then uh, I think the, I think the last one I saw was the one where the machines went right and they blow everything up. Or was that right. three? That might be actually be three. 
And that's where they they have to go to some. They end up at some military, old military installation where they're safe. You know, I guess that's how they start the uh, the revolution in the future. But uh, <laughs> you know, it is it is what it is. Uh, yeah. if, if I hear good reviews about it, I'll probably see it. If I hear from other people that it's terrible, then I won't. Yeah, I think the I have to double check, but I think there's five in total. You know, the third one, like you mentioned, was with the female Terminator. I think the fourth one might be with Christian Bale, and then there was a fifth one I think where uh, Arnold came back and played the Terminator again. So I think this is could this be the sixth? That's amazing. But uh, hey, you know, I, I don't know if I'll see it. You know, when it comes out, I might wait till it comes on cable or is available on demand or something. Because I tell you, uh, the last movie I saw was Toy Story Four, and they make these movie theaters. I think I've said this before. They make these movie theaters so comfortable these days that I just can't stay awake in the movie theater. You know, you, you turn off the lights and you put me in a recliner, uh, you know, I'm, I'm asleep. <laughs> you know? And uh, personally, I don't know if anyone out there agrees or disagrees, but I, I thought I was a little disappointed in Toy Story 4. You know, I was really, really looking forward to it. I liked the, the first three. You know, my kids were very young when the first one came out, so, you know, it was on all the time in my house, but yeah, whatever. Uh, I guess we'll get back to a little fantasy talk here, a uh, little fantasy football talk. So, uh, I'm sure you spoke about this on your show big time yesterday on the uh, Fantasy Football Frenzy uh, with yourself, uh, Jim Day, and, and the closer about the Tyreek Hill situation. And in case you were sleeping under a rock, uh, Kansas City Chiefs wide receiver Tyreek Hill, who is being investigated uh, for violating the per- NFL's personal code of conduct policy, it came out yesterday that he will not be suspended. Uh, there was a situation where a child... Uh, uh, Broke I, his arm was broken. Something happened to this child, and uh, it's terrible what happened to the child. But basically, the uh, uh, Kansas City Police have uh, stopped investigating this. The NFL did their own investigation, and they said that hey, you know, we don't have enough evidence to to suspend them. Which, I, personally, George, I don't, you know, I'm sure you spoke about this a bunch uh, on your show yesterday, but uh, I, I was shocked. I, I don't know about you. That what did you think when you heard, first heard the news that he was not going to be suspended? Oh, I was surprised. I was certainly surprised. Yes, we did talk about it yesterday on Frenzy uh, for quite a bit, actually, uh, mm-hmm. as we had different opinions on uh, on this case here. Uh, I think what it comes down to, the Dallas beat writers, by the way, are, are crushing the NFL. Uh, mm-hmm. how they as they should. With the, I mean, it was a little different circumstances here. I mean, uh, with, with Zeke, he did have an accuser, and the NFL was able to interview that accuser. Mm-hmm. With uh, Terry Kill, she didn't. She stopped co- cooperating. She wouldn't interview with the NFL. So, you know, that's a, that's always a problem. In my mind, that means money exchange stands. That's generally what always happens here. When the accuser also doesn't stop it, and there's generally, you know, money talks. Which, you know, and it's funny how I feel about that. I think when, you know, uh, when some of these things where the, the woman got a, uh, the woman was the one who was, who was abused, which in most of these cases what happened, but not in this one. You know, mm-hmm. she wants to take money not to testify. You know, if she was offered whatever, hundreds of thousands, million dollars, whatever it might be, I'm okay, I'm okay with that. You know, this way she's set up for life and she doesn't have to worry. I'm good with that. Uh, in this case, though, it was a three-year-old boy, their son. You mm-hmm. know, and that I'm not okay with that. Because in my mind, and, uh, you know, I was talking with Jim Day and uh, Chris yesterday. It's mm-hmm. different when you have kids. You know, there's no way. Even if Tyreek Hill didn't do this, which is iffy. How do you not do something about it? If if the woman did it, how was she still the mother? How do you not do anything to get her get rid of her? She broke your mm-hmm. son's arm. You did nothing. Mm-hmm. So in my mind, you're you're guilty right there. Right. You, know, you 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 sort of contributed to it. You know, we all heard the audio. There's more to the audio than we actually heard. But uh, mm-hmm. you know, we heard, all heard the audio where you know you you should be afraid of me too, bitch. Right, right. It's right, almost right. an admission of mm-hmm. guilt. Mm-hmm. You know, so I uh, you know, it's it's strange. I mean, I do, uh, you know, living in this country, we do uh, believe in uh, guilt, uh, innocent until proven guilty, and he wasn't proven guilty in a court of law, but we also know if you have money, you can get away with just about anything. You right. know, you'll hire the Absolutely. best lawyers, and, you know, these things, you generally get away with it. I was surprised that Goodell let him off here. I wonder if Goodell, is it, is it because of the CBA? Because they're fighting for a new CBA, and Goodell didn't want to start World War III with the union right now? But that's the first thing that came to my mind. Did you think about mm-hmm. it? In the NFL, very much... Because the hundredth anniversary of the team of the uh, of the league, they want a new CBA really by opening day. You know, before that Thursday night game, they want this to be locked. Uh, you know, all done. And I wonder mm-hmm. if you know, starting a war with the union on July twentieth was you know they they didn't want that. That would hurt me. It'd be right. bad publicity for the league. And I think that plays mm-hmm. a part in this as well. 
uh, or, or has Goodell just lost his, uh, you know, his uh, his will to fight, you know, and that sort of thing. Doesn't want to fight. Like I said, a lot of things came into this. I think if this would have been a year or two ago, I don't think there's any doubt that he'll get suspended. I think it was for him. It was just good timing. There's no video, you know. So there's mm-hmm. no automatic proof here. The fact that they want a new CBA by the uh, by September, I think all this played a part in it. And there's conflicting audio, and it's amazing to be the clarity of the audio. Like, you know, if, if you and I are having a conversation on the street or in, in uh, you know, in a room, you know, it's a, it's a, to me, just listening to the audio, it's just like amazing how clear it is. Uh, you know, at one point, you know, like you, you mentioned, you know, you said, you know, you should be afraid of me as well. And then there's a, another audio uh, recording that came out more recently saying, you know, that I didn't do anything. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, it's crazy. But my thoughts are obviously with the child. And uh, you mentioned, you know, like uh, with the Ezekiel Elliott case, they were able to uh, interview the accuser. In this case, I mean, you know, you could talk to uh, the three-year-old, but, uh, you know, obviously something happened uh, to this child. So, uh, you know, my thoughts are, are with, with the child. But, look, the, the NFL is its own uh, judge, jury, and executioner, right? I mean, you know, they've shown in the past that uh, it doesn't really matter, you know, if law enforcement indicts or uh, arrests or doesn't or prosecutes. You know, they have their own uh, brand of justice that they yield. So, I mean, you know, and the thing that leading up to this, you know, it just seemed that a lot of people – were thinking that he was just going to get a two-game suspension. My thought was that he should get at least what Zeke got, which would uh, I believe was was six games, right? But it just seemed like you know maybe maybe this you know this was starting to be leaked because a lot of people were just saying oh, he's going to get two games, he's going to get two games. But uh, so, so now whether or not <laughs> you draft him on your fantasy team, it's a hot button issue and it's a personal issue, right? But uh, I mean I have to you know. I, just completed, like I mentioned, the Scott Fishbowl League. Uh, I've got four more drafts. I mean, uh, personally, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna avoid him if you know. But uh, you know, when you look at what's what's happened since, in terms of his ADP, since the news broke, I uh, checked the NFFC uh, ADP from from May 1st to July 18th. He was going 61st overall in uh, typical uh, fantasy football drafts since yesterday. Uh, through this morning, he was 17th overall. So immediately, the immediate you know jump in in ADP for uh, for Terry Hill. Well, fantasy wise, and once again, not <laughs> you separate the two, right? Personally, I think absolutely. This guy's, yes, I think this guy's a scumbag. Uh, I truly mm-hmm. do, along with several other players throughout uh, you know sports. Uh, he's not mm-hmm. the only one by far. I mean, you can go down right. like Hunt, Ben Roethlisberger. You know, there are several players who are complete scumbags. Uh, that being said, fantasy-wise, I said yesterday, when it comes to mm-hmm. fantasy, you know, I want to I win. Generally, I play in money leagues. So I want to win money. You know, if I'm gambling, mm-hmm. I want to win money. And if uh, drafting Tyreek Hill, if betting on the Kansas City Chiefs, if betting on Tyreek Hill on an over-under, you know, four and a half catches, five and a half catches, 100 yards, whatever it might be that week, is going to win me money, that's all I care about. You know, mm-hmm. I, I separate my fantasy from my morality. You know, I said, I think the man is scum. You know, I think he's done some things uh, that, are, that are just terrible. That being said, mm-hmm. it's not going to stop me from drafting him. It, it won't. Yeah, like he's a second-round pick yeah. in football, and that's where I'll take him if, uh, if he's available. Mm-hmm. I don't have him in any mm-hmm. league yet, you know, but uh, it's over and done with now. I'm, I was looking for clarity. I, I separate the two. And so just like I separate my fandom. I'm not going to, oh, there's no chance of drafting Saquon Barkley because I'm a Cowboy fan and I hate the Giants. <laughs> That's so not true. <laughs> if Barkley, right. if uh, I have the second overall pick and Barkley's there, guess who I'm drafting? You know, mm-hmm. I, I separate the two. You know, you, ha- you have to be if you want to be successful as far as a fantasy player, a DFS player, or a gambler. You, know, you, have, you just mm-hmm. have no choice. You have to think with your head, not your heart. Uh, so, and the same thing for my, in my mind, the same thing works with Tyreek Hill. You know, I said, yeah. I've, I've been on Ben Roethlisberger for years and what he did. I always drafted Ben, though, one my time. If he was the best, best available quarterback and I needed one at that time, I'll draft Ben Roethlisberger. Just because I don't right. like the guy from what he's done doesn't stop me from drafting him. Once again, I want to pay my bills. And, you mm-hmm. know, so these players will help you pay my bills. Hey, I'll draft you. Mm-hmm. If I recall, you weren't a big Sammy Watkins guy, but uh, looking at his, his ADP has uh, been affected by this news as well. Uh, cause, uh, now uh, let's see prior to the news breaking, 
He his ADP according to NFFC was 58th overall. That's in a typical 12-team league. That's uh, fifth round. And since the news broke, uh, his ADP dropped to number 73. That's basically around seventh round or so in a typical 12-team uh, league. But, uh, I mean, we, you were pretty high on, on Watkins to start off with, right? I wasn't high as the number one. He's failed as the number one mm-hmm. in a couple of spots now. So right. it depends if you're are you an optimist or pessimist. As an optimist, you go, hey, you know, now that uh, Tariq Hill is back, yeah. Watkins get this less attention. Won't see the number one cornerback. Won't see the safety over the top as much because, hey, they got to worry about Tyreek Hill blowing everything away. So you can look mm-hmm. at it that way. Pessimists will point out, well, he's not going to get as many targets now either. Also very true. <laughs> so uh, mm-hmm. it depends on how you want to look at it there. I did draft Watkins in the Scott Fishbowl, but I drafted him, uh, you know, well, I guess round five, I think it was. So I'm okay with that. Uh, I'll take that. I think the fact that he's going 73rd, over, uh, I forget the number you said here, is a little low. You know, I'm surprised mm-hmm. he dropped that far. Uh, it's not like, uh, you know, Hill and uh, Kelsey are going to get every throw here. You know, mm-hmm. but it's uh, good for Mahomes, right? Now he has his, uh, his man back in Hill. Watkins slots into probably a, a better spot for him as a player, NFL player. So uh, mm-hmm. it is what it is. But I think, uh, yeah, Watkins is a number one. I said he's, he's just failed at that a couple of times. You know, I don't know how many right. times we need, to, we need to see someone fail before we realize, hey, not a number one. <laughs> Right, right, right. And uh, Miko Hardman, uh, the uh, rookie wide receiver drafted by the Chiefs, a lot of people were saying basically he's a, a young uh, Tyreek Hill clone. His ADP hasn't really moved. He's still, uh, you know, I checked, uh, still at 139, so he's basically yeah. hasn't uh, changed. But uh, I saw in the, the Scott Fishbowl League, uh, and again, let's mention that it is a super flex, which allows you to draft, uh, not draft, allows you to start two quarterbacks if you so choose. <laughs> and in this league, it'd be a good idea because, uh, like you mentioned in the promos, a uh, six-point passing TD. I saw you took him with your second pick. You had the 11th pick overall. Uh, as far as Mahomes, yeah, I had the 11th pick overall. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you said it. It's a super flex league. It's also six points for a touchdown pass. So this really va- overvalues the quarterback a little bit. Yes, running backs and wide receivers get a bump in this league for every 50 yards, or at least the first 50 yards. I think it's every 50. They get a, they get five points. So that, that's mm-hmm. how Scott is trying to, uh, I guess, offset the quarterbacks here. But in my case, because it's super flex, before, uh, because we can start to, uh, I, you know, in that one promo you heard before the show, uh, I had been in mm-hmm. Scott Fishbowls where uh, three, four, five quarterbacks have gone in the first round. I've been in Scott Fishbowls where no quarterbacks went in the first round. It depends on your draft. There were 100 uh, drafts mm-hmm. or 120 drafts, whatever it was, and I imagine most were just different. You just had to read your draft. It's why I didn't mind mm-hmm. going 11th because I'd have a good idea what was going to happen with the quarterbacks. Was this going to be a quarterback-heavy draft or not? It ended up being, uh, you know, there were no quarterbacks taken in my pick at 11, so I took a running back, Le'Veon Bell. And then I had, uh, once again, no quarterbacks taken until 14, but I was afraid of the run. Obviously, I wasn't going to go again for about 20 picks, and I didn't want to see six, seven, eight quarterbacks go because then I'd be forced to take two. And my next mm-hmm. two picks to make sure I had two uh, decent quarterbacks. So I took Mahomes at 14, took the number one guy there. If I had to do it all over again, seeing how the draft played out, and I could have gotten Matt Ryan, who was a top five quarterback for me in the third round, I would have gone that direction because quarterbacks just lasted forever in this league. Just once again, how the division went. So if like mm-hmm. I said, I would have, in hindsight, if I would have known this, okay, I would have waited and taken the next best player at 14. But that being said, I'm not complaining. The draft worked out pretty well for me. It was one of the few drafts where I can remember where I didn't have too many times where I wanted to yell a four-letter word or to break a pencil because someone sniped me, you know, a pick or two before. Mm-hmm. Generally, the player I wanted in my pre-draft, I ended up getting that player. Right, right. So I noticed you, you, you took Mahomes. And then I was looking at your draft because, like you said, uh, Ryan was there for you. Baker Mayfield was there for you, so you ended up with uh, Roethlisberger as your uh, your number two quarterback, so you'll be starting Mahomes and, and Roethlisberger, and then uh, you ended up uh, going with Eli. You think you waited too long for that third quarterback, or you think that you, you're, you know, you're satisfied with uh, Eli as a guy that you'll just put in in bye weeks? Well, you're hoping that. You know, you hope if, mm-hmm. uh, that Eli's just covering my bye weeks there and not... Uh... Yeah, I don't have to worry about anybody getting hurt, but there'll be quarterbacks that pop up too, and I'll grab another one off the waiver wire eventually here. I had to sweat out Ben. You know, my pick came up, there were like five quarterbacks I wanted, and four went before I got Ben. So I uh, was happy that worked out. Gotcha. All right, we'll be back and talk more fantasy football, a little bit more Scott Fishbowl drafts. Go over uh, some of my picks as well. Weekend Fantasy Update, Fantasy Sports Radio Network.
From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. All right, welcome back to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network Weekend Fantasy Update. Beastie Boys bringing us back. And hey, do you want two risk-free wagers up to $1,000? Well, go to pointsbet.com forward slash grid and open up a PointsBet sports wagering account. Enter the promo code GRID, that's G-R-I-D, and you'll get two Risk-free bets up to $1,000. In addition to traditional betting, PointsBet also offers its own betting concept where customers are rewarded by how much they win their bet. For example, if you bet the 49ers, minus three, and they cover the spread by eight points, you'll receive eight times your stake. That's pointsbet.com forward slash grid. Enter promo code grid, that's G-R-I-D, and get your two risk-free bets up to $1,000 today. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 21 and over. New Jersey only. Eligibility restrictions apply. See website for details. So, uh, George, you're coming up uh, after this show. You do uh, weekend wagers with uh, Camp Stewart. So this is a great promo here. <laughs> sure, yeah. Outstanding promo. Mm. Mm, and, yes, Cam and I will be on from uh, 12 to 3, pretty much going over the entire uh, baseball slate and uh, mm-hmm. some DFS lines. It's only really a, a nighttime lineup time. I think there's only three day games here. Uh, the Yankees who are going to melt at Yankee Stadium at 1 o'clock. Uh, Mets are on at 4. Maybe the Mets will find another new and interesting way to lose a game tonight. Uh, uh, San Fran's been a nightmare for them the past two nights. Uh, they lost, what, 16th inning or 17th inning the other night where they scored a run at the top of the inning, and then San Fran scored two in the bottom. And then last night, Dominic Smith, who's not an outfielder anyway, couldn't get to a fly ball, dropped a fly ball, had problems with uh, Ahmad Rosario, and that led to a runner scoring from first base on what really was a pop-up to win that game, I think, mm. in the 10th or 11th inning. So like I said, the Mets are finding new and exciting ways to lose games. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so interesting, you, you mentioned that we'll, we'll be talking football. We want to talk some baseball as well. But since you, you talked about the Mets and Giants, uh, uh, Mets, uh, basically, do you, do you think that they're going to be sellers at the trade deadline July 31st? Or, uh, I mean, you know, I mean, also now you have the Giants who, uh, you know, there's been lots of talk about them uh, moving Mad Bum, Madison Bumgarner, but all of a sudden they're uh, in contention for the wild card. Uh, it's, I mean, man, man, if San Fran makes the playoffs, just, just give Bochi the manager of the year award now. I, I don't know how he's yeah. doing it with that team. On his way out. Team is just, mm-hmm. Right. I don't know how, uh, yeah, he is done at the end of the year. I don't know how that team mm-hmm. is uh, in contention. Truly don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Mets should be sellers. It would be the smart thing to do. Uh, Wheeler is a big piece of that, however, and if he gets activated on time, there's only, at most, two MLB starts coming. Uh, there's a chance he might have to do a rehab start. You know, so there'll be one rehab start and one MLB start in that way uh, before the 4 p.m. deadline on the 31st, Eastern time. So uh, we'll see what the Mets are going to do there. Is that enough time? Is someone going to give a, a good piece for Wheeler, or did he lose 20 cents off his value because of what happened here? Yeah, because of going mm-hmm. on the uh, the IL with shoulder fatigue. Uh, I got to think Todd Frazier is also on his way out there. Uh, once again, not, nothing. There's nothing negative about that. No contract for next year. You might as well trade them if you can get them. But I don't. I doubt he brings back a big a big piece. I know they're trying to trade Wilson Ramos as well. But you're hearing the uh, reception is lukewarm at best. There, no one really wants Ramos. Can hit a bit, but not a very good defensive catcher, and that's generally not a good mm-hmm. mix. In today's game right. here, I do wonder if Dominic Smith could be on the uh, the move. Pete Alonso's got that first job forever, right? He's not going anywhere. Right. Smith, you know, 
Smith and the outfield would probably be okay uh, in Yankee Stadium in right field. Well, let's face it, the ball's over your head, it's a home run anyway. You know, you don't have to worry <laughs> about it. And it's a short, you right. know, short. There's not much ground to cover there. As I say, you watch right. that San Fran, when he has to move, it's, it's not pretty. He's just not an outfield mm-hmm. on the first base when the Mets have that locked up. No DH in the National League, at least not until the next CBA in 21. I fully expect that to be a DH, but it's going to be uh, three years away. I think you'll see it with 22 season. Uh, so he, I think he could, uh, could go as well. I doubt they trade Syndergaard. I think that's uh, someone they still realize has uh, immense potential, maybe want to build around him, and he's not causing any headaches. So, you know, I, I want to get out of here, that sort of thing. So I think they'll try and build around him. Pretty much if it's not nailed down, they should probably deal it. You know, Wheeler, mm-hmm. uh, if you, they're probably going to take the best deal they can for Wheeler because he's gone at the end of the season. So even if he, lose, if, if he did lose some value here because of the injury, either you can't get what you could have gotten two weeks ago, you probably have to move on and trade him there. Right. Frazier's the same thing. Noah Syndergaard, I think if you got a monster offer, San Diego, you know, if they really stepped up, you can revisit this as far as uh, dealing Thor, but I think he stays as well. Right. All right, well, Going to talk uh, uh, some baseball a little bit later in the show, but uh, good analysis from our man George uh, Kurtz. We'll talk uh, maybe about some, uh, since you are the closer guru, uh, maybe uh, later on we could talk about some uh, pitchers that uh, our listeners might want to uh, pick up off the waiver wire who might see themselves uh, as uh, closers after July 31st once uh, the smoke clears uh, from the trade deadline. But uh, let's, let's go back to uh, your, your draft in the Scott Fishbowl League. And uh, true to what you said earlier in the show, uh, you know, you're not a big fan of Ben Roethlisberger, the man, the person, <laughs> the individual. But uh, when you look at what uh, you know, he's done throughout his career, always been uh, a very good uh, fantasy quarterback. And even last season, uh, when you look at fantasy points per game, uh, according to FantasyFootballToday.com, he ended up uh, the number three overall with uh, an average of 26.3 fantasy points per game. Mahomes, obviously, Patrick Mahomes is number one. And, you know, Fitzpatrick only played eight games. But when you look at the, the per-game average, uh, he, he was number two. And then Matt Ryan was number four. And uh, Andrew Luck was number five. But what do you think about uh, Roethlisberger this year? You know, no Antonio Brown. Uh, you know, we talked about uh, Juju in the past now uh, having – the number one cornerbacks of uh, the opposing teams on him. Uh, then, uh, you know, the Steelers brought in Dante Moncrief, and we're looking at uh, year number two for James Washington. So, uh, you know, what do you think about uh, basically Roethlisberger with the tools that he has now? I mean, is he the kind of quarterback that could take a player like a, a Dante Moncrief, who's a decent wide receiver, and like a James Washington now in his second year? Can he... Uh, make them better players? Well, someone has to step up there because if, the, if there's not a second receiver on that team, they're going to have problems. All right, someone has to be there of the Juju from last year. Maybe not quite the Juju's level. You know, Juju's a pretty mm-hmm. damn good player, but someone's got to step yes. up there. It can't be, uh, you know, we're going to run the ball with Connor, we're going to throw the ball with Juju, and that's it. That's not going to work. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, they'll have problems there. Someone has to step up. Is it Moncrief, Washington, Eli Rogers, Don, Deontay Johnson? You know, uh, some of that ilk. I think Vance McDonald will have uh, more play this season. No Jesse James there as well. That helps. I think, uh, right. I think McDonald can end up being a top 10 tight end this year. Someone uh, you can grab mm-hmm. later on in your draft, and I don't mind that. But uh, I said, I'm, who's stepping up? Is it Moncrief or Washington? I believe I have, not 100% sure, but I think, I think I drafted Washington later in this draft as well. Uh, Moncrief, he's had spurts. But he's also yeah. disappeared where he hasn't done anything. So uh, I, I don't know if I'm a big believer in him. I think Washington may have some more upside here, and you can grab him later in the draft. So I'd probably prefer Washington for where they're drafted uh, mm-hmm. as far as the upside's concerned here. But I don't know if I see any of them really standing out here. But Pittsburgh needs somebody. They don't need to be standing They need to be held where the defense has to think about them and at least game plan somewhat mm-hmm. for them. If not, Pittsburgh could be in for uh, you know a little tougher season here. I don't have them making the playoffs this year. Mm. Okay, our buddy uh, Mike Blewett's not going to like that. Uh, big time Steelers fan. Uh, so uh, let's take a look at uh, what I did in terms of quarterbacks and uh, on the in the uh, Scott Fishbowl League. And you know you could critique it. Uh, I know you're not shy, but uh, I ended up uh, having the sixth pick overall, and uh, I ended up uh, going with my number one pick uh, with Joe Mixon. I know that there were other you know 
some people might think there were other uh, better options around. Uh, you know, I, I passed on, uh, you know, going with uh, Melvin Gordon. The news about him possibly holding out wasn't uh, public yet. But I just, you know, I felt that I think that Mixon is just going to, you know, uh, really come into his own. He had a really good year last year. But, you know, the, the I think when you look at all the uh, the running backs, you know, after the first few, after Kamara and whatnot, they all have their little question marks. And uh, I, I just felt more comfortable. I took a chance. And in this league with, with you know, when you're dealing with, I don't know, what are there, 112 team leagues, you got to take a chance here and there. And it's not really that far a chance that I took with Joe Mixon. But uh, let, let's talk about the quarterbacks I took because with my second pick overall, uh, not uh, yeah, with my second pick overall, I took uh, Andrew Luck. And then I ended up uh, getting a guy that I kind of swore I wouldn't take again. But uh, I ended up going um, uh, with Kirk Cousins. Maybe I, I waited too long and, and ended up having to take him in round six. Right before him, uh, Philip Rivers went right before him. And uh, in the previous round, round five, uh, Dak Prescott went, uh, Josh Allen, Big Ben, Lamar Jackson, Jared Goff. Uh, Drew Brees, but uh, you know, it's, I started to feel kind of ticked that I ended up having to go with with Kirk Cousins, you know, because you know a lot of what it has to do with George is what's happened to you personally. And for me personally, last year, I think I had Kirk Cousins as my starting quarterback on two of my teams, and I was very disappointed. But then uh, I saw this tweet from James Coe from the Athletic uh, talking about how. Cousins' offensive line was uh, partially to blame, only partially to blame uh, for his problems last year. 217 quarterback pressures uh, against Cousins last season. That was the most in the NFL. Then I saw another uh, tweet about uh, the uh, Cousins having the number one completion percentage on play-action passes and number two completion percentage under uh, when he's under pressure. So, I mean, I love the fact that he's got Thielen and Stefan Diggs and whatnot. Uh, you know, how should I feel about about Kirk Cousins? Uh, is there any uh, redemption with Kirk Cousins as your number two quarterback? Kirk Cousins is a fine number two quarterback. I would have taken Kirk Cousins as my number two quarterback and not have any issues with it. Uh, he has some NFL problems. You know, uh, he mm-hmm. has a hard time beating good teams. Uh, the only reason I might stay away from Cousins and Trubisky falls in this category as well is rough schedules for the NFC North. You know, mm-hmm. they're playing obviously they're going to and Cousins are going to play Chicago twice. That's uh, not going to be any fun there as far as good defense and the schedule as a whole is tough. You know, this is more NFL wise where I you, know, you look at Minnesota or Chicago or you could throw Green Bay here in here if you want. Though I don't think they're quite in the same category as Minnesota or Chicago. Uh, I think I think mm-hmm. ten games might win that. Ten wins might win that that division. That's how tough their schedules are here. Uh, yeah, you look at uh, Minnesota. You open up Atlanta at Green Bay. You play Chicago, Philadelphia, KC, Dallas, uh, Seattle gets thrown in there. Chargers, Green Bay, Chicago again. But uh, it's not an easy schedule. Uh, I didn't name every team. There are some easier games to play. Washington's got a very good defense as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Cousins, as a number two, I don't have any issue with. I think uh, his ADP is somewhere around 19th, and I think that's crazy. There are quite a few quarterbacks I would easily take Cousins over. You know, I think he's going to be more mm-hmm. consistent. Someone like Dak, you know, I'll take him over. I think they'll throw the ball more there in Minnesota. And the defense will get the ball back for them in uh, good territory. So uh, I'm not worried mm-hmm. about Cousins. As a number two, I have no problems with Kirk Cousins. No problems right. at all. You know, uh, okay, you're drafted, you. listening to what you said there. Uh, your, your quarterbacks, it's funny. It looks like uh, I drafted a quarterback early, but then a lot of quarterbacks drafted earlier in your round. The quarterback, well, a lot mm-hmm. of quarterbacks you named, we were able to draft the seventh mm-hmm. round and later in my draft. That's why the Scott Fishbowl is always interesting because you just don't <laughs> yes, know when his quarterback is going to go. Right, absolutely. Uh, I ended up with four quarterbacks. So the third one I took, I took Matthew Stafford. Uh, Matthew Stafford had a tough year last year, man. Uh, Just uh, uh, 3,700-plus passing yards. uh, Had uh, 21 touchdowns, 11 uh, interceptions. Uh, What do you think about uh, Matthew Stafford's outlook for uh, the 2019 season? I mean, basically... uh, Kenny Galladay is going to have to step up. I mean, he's still got Marvin Jones there. You know, no more Golden Tate. Golden Tate, obviously, with the Giants. Uh, Danny Amendola they brought over, but he's always – he's got a lot of talent, but he always ends up hurt, obviously, and just underperforming. Uh, uh, and uh, the tight end, they uh, drafted T.J. Hawkinson, uh, but we all know that you – know, 
rookie tight ends are tough to trust. And you mentioned Jesse James no longer being on the Steelers because he's on the uh, the Lions this year. But what do, what do you think? Uh, do you think that we could see a little bit of a bounce back from Matthew Stafford this season? Not the quarterback one status. I don't see that happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he said at one time he was at the end of the season. Oh, Stafford between that eight and uh, twelve range. He always seemed to be there. And now he's dropped mm-hmm. somewhat. Well, the team has dropped around him as well. This is a, the last place team in the uh, NFC North here. Tough division with the Packers, Bears, and Vikings in there. And I think he'll suffer somewhat. I think he'll have a, a good game here and there. As a quarterback, two, if you waited for a while, I don't have an issue with it. You mentioned as a quarterback, three, you know, he's fine. But, if uh, you know, mm-hmm. in a 12-team league, super flex or a two-quarterback league, he's certainly top 24. So is your uh, quarterback mm-hmm. too? I'm okay as long as you didn't take him in, you know, round six, round seven. You wait until round nine, round ten. Fine, you know, it is what it is. Right. Uh, can someone step up? To, uh, you know, it's not so much that Golden Tate. Oh, he's a slot receiver. It doesn't matter. You know, he's not. It won't affect Golly and Jones. Sure, it will, because you know, defense paid attention to Golden Tate. Now there'll be more attention right. spent on Galladay, more attention spent on Marvin Jones. I do like what they've done at tight end. You know, Jesse Hawkinson's the real deal. The problem is, as you mentioned, you know, until he learns the complete blocking scheme, you know, sometimes he's going to be in there to block, pick up the blitz and that sort of thing. You know, you don't know if he'll be uh, in there all three downs. You know, Jesse James, Jesse James mm-hmm. is a solid player. You know, he was a solid tight end, too. NFL-wise, he's probably right around a, a good, solid starting tight end. You know, but Hawkinson mm-hmm. eventually is going to get more and more uh, play there. So if you draft a Jesse James... Mm, you know, and you're going to have some issues by the end of the season. I don't mind him drafting as a number two, but eventually Hawkinson mm-hmm. is taking over there. Yeah. And you mentioned how differently, uh, a good analysis, by the way, George, but you mentioned how different some of these Scott Fishbowl drafts are. Just to show you, you, know, you, you were talking about some of those quarterbacks I had mentioned being available till the seventh round or so, but I ended up having to take Matthew Stafford, you know, as my third quarterback in the eighth round. That's how quarterback heavy the early part of my particular Scott Fishbowl draft was. All these different, all the drafts are different. That's what makes it fun. Mm-hmm. You just don't. Mm-hmm. Listen, that's a lot of a lot of redraft leagues. Straight uh, regular leagues are you know you know you don't know what's going to happen anyway. You know, you mentioned Melvin True. Gordon. You're going to have people who Melvin Gordon's going to drop to the second round. That changes everything. Or maybe he'll go earlier than we mm-hmm. expect. Maybe Barkley and Elliott don't go one two. You know, you just don't know what's right. going to happen. That's what makes it fun. We never really know. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll be back with we'll continue talking fantasy football. Also going to bring some fantasy baseball. Uh, your way, listening to Weekend Fantasy Update, Fantasy Sports Radio Network.